Daniel chapter 3. I have the scriptures, or the verses from Daniel 3 at edmundheritage.church slash Sunday. That's easier for you if you have your devices or your Bibles. Daniel chapter 3. We're in a study through the first six chapters of Daniel, the narrative part, the first half, that is the narrative of the book of Daniel, six different stories. These are stories of courageous faith in the midst of intense circumstances. Stories involving Daniel and his three friends. And we'll pay attention to his three friends in Daniel chapter 3, perhaps one of the more famous, uh, well-known chapters of the book of Daniel. Last night was an incredible night. We had our drive-in movie. Not only did God bless us with just fantastic weather, we had a great turnout, plenty of popcorn, and a really good movie together. I planned, and, and, and many of you helped plan, and, and there was a lot of planning that went into last night. Uh, there was lots of help that went into make the drive-in movie happen last night. Uh, lots of work and shopping to make sure our concession stand got up and running. We had uh, donations and gifts to make sure we had a 17-foot-high uh, screen to watch the movie. And uh, effort and manpower to get that screen up uh, yesterday evening. And no matter how much we planned, things didn't go 100% smooth. Right when showtime is when I learned that my DVD player doesn't have an enter button. And without an enter button and no remote, you can't press play on the movie, apparently. And so we had a little bit of delay. You plan, you plan, you plan, and you think you've got the most perfect night, right? Everything has come together, and then it doesn't. And you know these kinds of circumstances where you've worked and you've worked and you planned and you've planned and you've tried and you've tried and everything seemingly is going your way until it's not. So last night we had a little bit of delay till I could run up to Dollar General and just find out if they had a DVD player, and they did. Not the way you want it to go, a little bit of delay, and I'm sure caused some frustration, but those were the circumstances. And I want us to relate to this kind of circumstance as we get into Daniel chapter 3 this morning, because in Daniel chapter 3, we find our three friends in a circumstance that they don't want to be in. There's a theme growing in the book of Daniel. Things don't always go the way you want. That is a life lesson that I try to impart on my children. Things aren't going to go the way you envision them, that you dream of them. But that is okay. Because how you respond is more important than making sure you have everything picture perfect in the situation. How you respond to the adversity, to the broken DVD player, how you respond to things not going the way you want is more important than making sure you have the ideal circumstance. I want you to know this may be a pretty hard lesson for some of us because this message from Daniel 3 is not just a cute story about three guys surviving a fire. It is a story of how we must not conform. How we must not allow circumstances 
situations to be our driving motivation. Several years ago, uh, probably over a decade ago now, before we moved to Oklahoma, I got a, a one of those dreaded calls that a minister fears. I got one of those calls in the middle of the night. I had just gotten in bed, and I got a phone call that this particular person uh, was having their baby, and I was at first excited. We had been expecting. Uh, this family to have their second child and was excited to hear that news until they told me that things had gone wrong, that they had lost the baby in delivery. And so I get up in the middle of the night and I drive to the hospital and I go to be in the room with this mother and this father grieving now. A day that's supposed to be joyous, a day that's supposed to be happy, a day of celebration has now turned into grief and pain and anguish. And that's the room I walk into in this hospital. I walk into this room and this mother is holding her deceased child. And there's tears. And there's hurt. There's pain. The circumstance changed quickly for this family. So as I enter the room, I I have no words. I have no scriptures. I go in the room to be with this family in this most devastating of moments. As I'm sitting there with this family, this family, by the way, again, that's holding their now deceased child. She says something that sticks with me and still does. She says, and I'm quoting, God is still good. And I am blown away by this statement from this mother holding her deceased child in a day that's supposed to be happy, that things have turned horribly wrong. She has the ability to tell me, to tell herself, that God is good. I learned something in that hospital room from that family and that particular person. I learned something that night. I used to think that I needed idealism or perfection or at least somewhat good places and circumstances. I thought I needed the summer camp experience, the high mountain moment to be able to worship and to praise my God. What I learned was that there's nothing I can offer in deep, dark, depressing, hurting moments except my faithfulness. That's what she showed me. That's what she expressed to me. That despite the circumstances, despite the situations, despite the place you may find yourself in, faithfulness is all that is asked of us. Hurting moments. Depressing moments. And I think we can relate to this. Faithfulness is often a matter is a is often a matter of response 
to the decisions or circumstances of others that we don't control. As much as we strive for it, we work towards it, we don't control what is around us. And so we now must respond to the moment. And we have a decision. Will we be faithful in these kinds of moments? Will God still be good even when things go horribly awry? Will I still be a faithful follower of Jesus even when things don't go my way? You've sat in the passenger seat of a car before, right? You've gone on a road trip where you're not driving. You are a complete and utter, uh, you're, you're out of control in that moment, right? You go where they go or where they take you. You get there how they take you there, the person driving. When you sit in that passenger seat, your choice is only to be faithful or to respond appropriately to the circumstance. You must be faithful. I think that's Daniel 3. That's Daniel 3 in a nutshell, is that faithfulness can be achieved. You can be faithful even when there is a furnace ready for you. Daniel chapter 3 is a story about Daniel's three friends. Daniel's not involved in this story. It's a story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let's pick up in Daniel 3. Let's read the first seven verses. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provisional officials to come to the dedication of the statue that he had set up. So all the officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Verse 4, then a herald shouted out, People of all races and nations and language, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, scyther, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bow to the ground. And they worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Let's pause there for a moment. Because I think it's really important to understand what King Nebuchadnezzar is trying to do. He is demanding conformity. And it is incredibly important. I believe this message is incredibly important for us today. Because we need to understand that Babylon demands that you choose Babylon. You see, the requirements are pretty simple and pretty straightforward. You choose nation over God. You choose leader over God. You choose political party over God. The demands of this world are straightforward and simple. And when you do that, you'll be fine. You'll be safe. You'll be taken care of. This world is not different 
Daniel chapter 3's world is not different than ours. There are 90-foot statues all around us, everywhere. You turn on the TV, you turn on the radio, you get on the internet, you listen to the news. 90-foot statues are demanding that you choose it or them. Leaders want you to follow them because they have the right course. They have the right path. They have more than you can imagine. And we are faced with an identity crisis with these 90-foot statues. Because these statues want you to stop where you are and to bow down to them, to be their subject. And the expectation is that you will do it. Because you'll be safe when you do it. Now, in the terms of the kingdom, in the terms of God, this is ridiculous. This is insanity for God's people. God demands that he be first. The first commandment. You'll have no other gods before me. I am the Lord, your God. See, God wants his people not to conform to the statues or the demands of Babylon. God is seeking people who will stand up when everyone else is bowing down. And I feel if you take that as a 21st century 2020 political statement, you probably need to start paying attention to yourself. Because 90-foot statues aren't about how you perceive your culture or your country. 90-foot statues are about how you are spiritually in relationship with your God. You see, the truth is, we're all being shaped and formed. Something, someone, somehow, some way. 90-foot statues are just a flashy, big old way for us to conform to it. See, we buy into this idea that we can merge and hold on to both of them. Well, this is a Christian nation, so we can have both. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that's not scriptural. It's not even close to what Jesus teaches us. Jesus would tell us death, denial, and the pursuit of the cross. Vastly different concepts. 90-foot statues are all around us. And how we respond to the music of the statue is how we will respond in our relationship to God. How we will act in His presence. Will we choose worldliness or will we choose godliness? They do not go together. The story continues. It happens. Music goes off. People bow down. Except for three men, the story goes. And they get tattled on pretty quick to the king, picking up in verse 12. There are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods, and they do not worship the gold statue that you have set up. Then King Nebuchadnezzar flew 
into a rage. And he ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is this true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue that I have set up? I'm going to give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. <laughs> but if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They replied, Oh, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, <laughs> we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Now here's the hard part. Faithfulness demands that you put yourself in the fire. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're saying God is good, even in this moment. There is a furnace ready for them. Their conformity is demanded of Babylon. If you don't act a certain way, you will be thrown into the fire. This is how you're supposed to act, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see, Christians are supposed to act a certain way. And if you don't act a certain way, if you don't look like me, act like me, talk like me, go to my kind of church, then guess what? You must not be a very good Christian. So you better start conforming to the way I have set up to these boundaries, to these dynamics, to this circumstance. Because if you don't, you'll be thrown in the fire. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego respond not out of their anxiety that they must have been in in the moment. They respond out of their faith. Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, we need you to know we're never going to bow down to that statue. And if God doesn't save us from the fire, you need to know this. God is good. Now, I've said this about the last two chapters with Daniel and his friends, and I'm guessing it's true here in Daniel chapter 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't want to be in this circumstance. This wasn't ideal for them. They don't want to make this choice because they know the consequence. They know what it leads to. But their faith is demanding that they put themselves in the fire. And I'm curious, would my faith demand that I go to the fire? This isn't a nice, neat, comfortable message. Because this message pushes up against all of that in our convenience. It's 
speaking of myself, I get bent out of shape pretty good when things don't go my way. I don't like things to go differently than I had planned for them. When the DVD player doesn't work like I expected it to go, I can get pretty upset. But 90-foot statues, they're like viruses. They come in, and you don't even know they're there. They seep in slowly, and they start to come and infiltrate everything you know, and they demand that things go a certain way. And faith, belief, truth, Jesus Christ does not look to the statue It looks to the Father. It looks beyond the fiery furnace. It looks past the danger. It doesn't see, oh no, I'm giving up comfort. It sees the comfort of the arms of our God. Worldliness demands safety, easiness, faith demands fire. You know the process of forging? This is how horseshoes are made, swords, metal objects that are nothing. Just pieces of metal. They're heated up to such extreme degrees that they can now be shaped and formed. You can take a seemingly nothing piece of metal and you can forge it into something useful into something different. And faith does that. Faith that demands that you go to the fiery furnace is not looking to destroy you, it's looking to forge you, shape you. Faith. Faith is a shaping tool that we all have in the name of Jesus Christ. And too often, speaking of myself, I choose the statue. I choose comfort and stability. I choose the demand of Babylon rather than faithfulness. And each and every one of us are being forged some way, somehow by a 90-foot statue or by a fiery furnace. So the story continues. The three men, they're bound. And the king is so furious, so upset, that these people would choose faith over the statue, that he orders the fiery furnace to be heated seven times hotter than normal. At the expense of the soldiers that have to do this, they die. And then the king comes to like an entertainment to watch these three men be burned up in this fiery furnace. They're thrown into the fire. Daniel 3.25 says that King Nebuchadnezzar said, Look, I see four men unbound. And they're walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god.
fire was hot. The three men didn't know what would happen when they were thrown in, but they believed that whether their physical bodies burned, that one way or another, their spiritual lives, their spirits would be saved. And what we find out here is that God was waiting in the fire. Faith. Faithfulness. Faithfulness to God. Even when a fire is on the line, God will be there. Why? Because God is forging these three men in that fire. He's shaping them as only he can. I don't want to throw anyone in the fire, but you know what I want to do? I want to throw some into the water because baptism does this. Baptism is a forging experience. It is a life changing, life-shaping move. Baptism is a forging decision that you will die. Faith is made in that confession that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And out of that faithful declaration, one chooses death. Because in the act of baptism, you see, you go into the water and you go under into the watery grave. And what happens in that moment is death. Make no mistake about it. You die. You're in the grave. It's over because this worldliness and those 90-foot statues mean nothing to you any longer. But you are raised again. You come out of the grave, and you come out of the grave alive, and you come out of the grave anew. You come out of the grave not for the statue, but for the God and his kingdom that will be with you even in death. The fiery furnace is a surefire way of dying. Faithfulness is a surefire way of living. And when you make the choice, or when you did make the choice to be baptized. You chose death over the statue. And your God forged you. And if you choose baptism, your God will forge you. Chapter 3, picking up in verse 26. Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace, and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors, they crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. And a hair on their heads was singed. Their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. And when you choose faith in your God, your God promises that you will live. Faith and faithfulness is a choice. Even in a hospital room, when a day turns 
drastically different than you anticipated or wanted. In those kinds of moments, even in those kinds of heart-wrenching moments, when you choose faith, your God will make sure that you don't smell a smoke and that you're not scorched or singed in any way. Our God is a God of life. And this morning, I want to invite you to respond where you are. Not to the fear of the furnace, but to the truth of life in God. Let's be faithful. You know what? Let's be faithful to the point that we're willing to go in the furnace.